This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota and WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk in the evening. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on your Thursday. Matt, Patrick here. Lots to get to today. Patrick, how are we today? Uh, not doing too bad. How are you? I, I'm, I'm, I'm once again flummoxed by our modern holidays, how we, how we, we, we manage these holidays now in modern times. So... The so okay, I have a pine tree, one pine tree. I can handle pretty much the rest of the lights on my house in my yard. Can do so. As a matter of fact, already have done it. Thank you very much. I've got a pine tree in my front yard. This was planted years and years ago when my uh, first child was born. My father-in-law planted it out there, and it has grown quite well. It is now quite tall. I'd say probably. 25, 30 feet tall now. And we used to put lights up around it and stuff like that pretty easily and, and you know, could get up to the top. And, of course, it grew and grew in about four, four or five years ago. It got to a point where it just was not safe with my child on the top rung of a ladder with an extending hook trying to hook things on there. It just, yeah, no. So we what we've done is we kind of just looped it up and, up and down around the tree and so it kind of looked like a half tree, you know, like a, you know, just kind of, you know, putting some lights on it. And it didn't look that good. I'll be the first to admit it didn't look that good. And when we used to put lights all the way to the top, people used to say how much they enjoyed seeing the Christmas tree on, on the street. So I decide this year that I'm going to go on out and I'm going to get one of these companies. You, you see them around. We'll put up Christmas lights and stuff like this. I said, okay, I got one tree. How expensive could this be? <laughs> don't ask questions you don't want the answer to. Oh, boy. Um, now, so the first view I went into, I mean, I'm looking at their house and, you know, it's it's the Sistine Chapel in Christmas lights. It's it's pretty spectacular. You know, every, you know, awning and gutter and tree and, you know, Santa and 15 reindeer and it looks fantastic. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for one tree. I can do the rest of it myself. I need to do one tree. First guy tells me, he's like, well, our, our bare minimum is, uh, you know, $1,000. If it's just one tree, we could do it for $1,000 for two years, maybe. But then if the lights go out, I, I have to buy their lights. If the lights go on out, I have to replace them with their lights. So it, basically it's... You, it, there's all these other costs there. That was $1,000 for them. The cheapest I could find, and these are like, you know, the landscaping companies, the tree companies, these guys, the, the, the yard, yard care companies, they, they all have this kind of this side hustle now. 
and they the <laughs> the cheapest one I could find of these major companies was five hundred dollars. That was five hundred dollars, and they were acting like you know we'll do you a favor. Oh yeah, sure you are. Happy holidays. You're doing me a big favor at five hundred bucks. Um, I finally found a handyman who's willing to do it. He says I got the ladders. I can do the whole thing, and it's going to be quite a bit less. I'll, I said, I'll supply the lights. I have no problem doing that. He goes, okay, no problem. And so, by the way, you want a quick side business. I know a real quick way that if you, you want to make 100 bucks an hour, if you got one good ladder and you just say, hey, I'm not going to do your whole house, I'll do one tree for you. I guarantee you you'll get some people. It kind of surprises me. I, I get it. America, the United States of America is the is this this, you know, just – it's is filled with a lot of people with a lot of money. It has a lot of people with a lot of cash. It still surprises me that your business model is five hundred dollars, thousand dollars a year, and you know you're you're clearly making coin on that. So, yeah. Although I imagine you know it comes with the downside. I can see like a string of lights going out on Christmas Eve, and you'd better get over here right now and fix this immediately, or else I'm suing. You know that sort of thing. I can see that happening. So I find the guy. So I'm going to get a guy that's going to go out there with his ladder, going to put the lights up, make it look real pretty. All right, I'm feeling pretty good about this. What ends up happening is I go over. I decide. I said, well, I need to go get my own lights. Now I have lights, but. They're from like four different years, and so some of the lights are brighter than the other lights, that sort of thing. And it just, yeah, I don't want it to look shabby. If I'm going to pay the money, you know, a few bucks to get some guy to put it up on the tree, I'm going to make it look nice. So I went and I was going to go buy new lights. It is December 7th. By the way, happy Hanukkah to all people out there getting ready to celebrate. I hope you have a wonderful Hanukkah season out there. And of course, it's Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day as well. It's December 7th. We are by my calculations, more than two weeks away from Christmas. Part of me actually prepped myself for this. I went to the first store I went to, and that's why, you know, spoiler alert, first store. Went to the first store, and I said to myself, yeah, they're probably not going to have the the complete selection. But, I mean, gosh, I mean, we got a few weeks here. It's got to have a ton. Nope. They had already consolidated down there like four rows of Christmas lights down to like a half a row and none of them matched. <laughs> and they were, they were all like eight lights on a string. So I'd only need like 500 of them, packages of them to, to, to work it. And yeah, it's in the guy says, Oh yeah, we, we sell most of our lights already. It's, it's December 7th. What do you mean you've already sold your lights already? All right, fine. So to the second store I go, and by the grace of goodness, there indeed is Christmas lights. But as the guy was, he he told me, he said, you're, it's, you're lucky you're coming in today. We're actually going to tear down most of this display this weekend. This weekend? You mean December 9th and 10th? Two full weeks before Christmas, you're getting rid of all the Christmas stuff. Okay. I don't need to tell you guys how to run your business. I know you guys have you know, psychological computer warfare going on basically with the consumers of America, corporate corporate America. I get it. But maybe, just maybe, as opposed to wrapping freaking pumpkins in Christmas lights and saying, Christmas almost here, you actually have it towards Christmas. Because this is part of the problem is of this. It's not just the fact that you are basically jamming Christmas down our gourds 
when we were putting gourds out on our front porch. But on the top of it, you basically, because you're such a corporate entity and you only order exactly the bare minimum that you need, you're running out of holiday stuff before the holidays. And, (laughs) you know, it's a good thing that grocery stores aren't like this. Because can you imagine if grocery stores are like this and it's like, you know, you know, a week before Thanksgiving, they're like, eh, we don't uh, we don't have any uh, uh, turkeys left anymore. We've got some pork chops. Pork chops is what you're going to have to have because we're out of turkeys. Thank God the grocery stores don't run like that. You guys, I get it. You're trying to maximize. Still is kind of a raw deal, man. It still is kind of a raw deal. And... I bring this up, and I've said this before on this show. Uh, I, I occasionally will listen to classic radio shows. I kind of, I kind of find a, there, there's a kick out of that, especially when you think back on some of them, like the 1930s, 1940s. How old they are? I mean, that you know, you're getting you know, 85, 90 years old. I mean, that's that's amazing. You're listening to some radio shows from way back when, and. I was listening one time to a Dragnet episode. This was from the early 50s, the early 50s. And the guy was talking about going out and investigating a case. And it was December 16th in this episode of Dragnet from the early 1950s. December 16th. And the term he used was there were some early Christmas shoppers out getting some of the early deals on December 16th. That floored me. That floored me. But that's what it used to be. I mean, used to be Christmas was basically just a holiday right around Christmas. And it became this corporate-fueled biathon that 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 is 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 somewhat out of control now. And when I'm when I mean by out of control, I don't have any problem. You want to on you know, at November 1st, at midnight 01 on November 1st, you want to take every Halloween thing and get rid of it and put up your entire Christmas decorations and fine. By all means, that is your right. You have your call. That's what you want to do. Bon appetit. That's America. Knock yourself out. But it's, you get to the point where because it's pushed onto people, because all of a sudden they start beaming that Mariah Carey song into your freaking noggin, on at, 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 you know, one o'clock in the morning on November 1st. It's because you're so quick to steamroll Thanksgiving and get that, you know, that doesn't even exist as a holiday. It's Christmas, 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 Christmas. Because of all that, you know, here we are now where it all of a sudden becomes difficult to find things in stores three weeks before Christmas because they're not going to hold any more inventory than they absolutely have to. And I can only imagine, I, I, I'm not saying we should go back to the 1950s. Which I can only imagine what this country would be like, the holy hell that would be unleashed on us if every person in this country tried to do the Christmas in the one week before the holidays. I mean, the cat's out of the bag. This is how things are done you know, and, and, and it just it's it's it is it just is the way things are done nowadays. But I I I it is kind of annoying that 
you you make it actually difficult to celebrate Christmas unless I am buying stuff before Thanksgiving. You know, I I mean, it's it's you know, it it is a little bit frustrating. The good news is I did find the lights. I got the guy coming over next next week. He's going to come on over and put the lights up. We're going to look good there, and yeah, looking forward to that. But at the same time, I got to tell you the truth: it is it 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 is it is it is frustrating because unless it does seem like that, unless you do take it early and and go early and go get a tree earlier than you want to and start getting Christmas gifts and start doing decorations early, I can't tell you how many how many catalogs do you have where I'll open it up and like I want to send my cousin something. She lives in the upper uh, upper peninsula, uh, peninsula of Michigan. I want to send her something. And I'll open it up and it will be like the 10th of December and like oh, I'd like to send this. How about I get this cake here? Oh, we're sold out of that cake. You are? Okay, how about this one? Well, we're sold out of this too. Oh, okay. What do you have left? Well, we got this one, you know, bag of spicy cinnamon nuts. Okay, well, there, there's a reason why you have that left cuz no one wants that. <laughs> that's the, that, but that's the case is that you, you it's gotten to the point now where you know you're late for Christmas past December 10th you're late for it you're not now you're scrambling you're hoping other things are there you're hoping you're going to get some benevolence from someone or someone's going to have returned exactly what you need and it's going to get on the discount pile that's what it is Ugh. all right back into politics let's take a break it's the Matt McNeil show the Matt McNeil Show on your Thursday. Good to have you with us today. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Hey, I got, you know, being up in Minneapolis, uh, I'm pretty familiar when when police are corrupt, uh, unfortunately. Did you, if you haven't, if Chicago folks, if you haven't read that DOJ report on the Minneapolis Police Department, holy God. If you go to the Progressive Citizen X blog, I've been a post about it just with some of the more ripe comments that were in that report. It is one billion percent ugly. Ugh. Well, we have another case, and this one is that the implications of this one in Alabama are somewhat terrifying. If it is, because it, not only is this story, but there's been a, a little bit of an update here. First, uh, a felony fentanyl trafficking charge against an Alabama man who was hit with a stun gun while was handcuffed on the hood of a police officer's car has been dismissed. Michael Washington, uh, 24, still faces three additional charges that stem from his encounter with reform police officer Dana Elmore on Saturday, but he is out of jail on bond. He is in good spirits uh, at this point. Uh, Washington's attorney, Lex, uh, Leroy Maxwell Jr., told um, Alabama.com Wednesday he's going through some uh, uh, PTSD, understandably. The ordeal began when Washington was changing a flat tire on a Pickens County roadway, not far from his aunt's house, Maxwell said. Washington and the others were going back and forth to the house to get equipment needed to change the tire when Elmore, the police officer, stopped to question Johnson. Maxwell said the officer asked him what he was doing and asked for identification. Washington told the officer he was not doing anything wrong, knew his rights, and he didn't have to provide that information if he wasn't detained. Which is true. Which is 1,000% true. 
Washington pulled out his phone to start recording. Elmore then used a stun gun on Washington, which caused him to drop the phone to the ground. He was then handcuffed. What happened next was caught on the now viral video recorded by one of Washington's family members. I believe this was his brother. The video begins with Elmore identified through charging documents against Washington, ordering Washington to stand up. Now, this is once again, he's changing a tire. He starts seeing this officer get belligerent with him for no reason outside of, let's be honest, he's black in Alabama. And when he says, I know my rights, the officer just tases him and puts him on the ground. And at one point is standing on him, standing on him. The guy is guilty of nothing outside of changing a tire. He then, she then orders him to stand up. He was handcuffed on the roadway at Pickens County. She then tells him to lay down in the front of the vehicle, which he does face down. He is following orders. The officer then holds a stun gun to Washington back while she goes through his pockets. She tells him to stay still, at which point he says, I ain't doing blank. I got a gun right there. He tells the officer, I have a gun, which by all accounts, he legally was carrying in Alabama. Elmore then laughs as she retrieves the gun and says, oh, yeah. She then, this is once again, a handcuffed man lying face down on the front of a car starts to tase him, stun him directly into Washington's back, telling him to shut the blank up as he screams. Washington then begins to cry repeatedly, saying, oh, my God. The officer then says, do you want it again? Now, once again, this is a handcuffed man on the hood of the car who's complying with the officer. Shut your, you know, be blank up, the officer says. That's where the video ended. Reform Police Chief Richard Black and Mayor Melody Davis sent out a statement Monday acknowledging they were aware of the video of Washington's arrest. Elmore remains on leave with pay. She should be in jail. This is, I've seen this before. This woman needs to be in jail. Oh, I can't wait for the excuses of, she's a good cop, Bull crap. She is a god-awful cop. And every cop should be demanding her badge and jail time because she makes everyone else look bad. And by the way, it gets worse. I know you don't think it possibly can. It gets worse. Um... The department is in the process of turning all over materials related to this arrest to the Alabama State Bureau of Investigation and then requested uh, requested a thorough investigation in the circumstances surrounding the arrest, a statement said. Washington was initially charged with trafficking fentanyl, obstructing government operations, resisting arrest, and first-degree possession of marijuana. Now, the only one that might be legitimate is that last one because nothing else here is legit. He was minding his own business, changing a tire, and this officer basically decided to harass him. To tell you how badly this is going for them, the 24th Judicial Circuit District Attorney Andy Hamlin filed a motion to dismiss the fentanyl trafficking charges, which was granted by the district judge, Lance Bailey. According to Hamlin's motion, field testing of the substance indicated positive for fentanyl, but additional testing failed to confirm the substance was fentanyl. Which is really interesting when you read the accounting of the officer of the so-called fentanyl, which no one saw produced at the time she searched the individual she was tasing. 
Washington was released from the Pickens County Jail on Tuesday. He posted this on his girlfriend's Facebook page. Thanks for the love and support. It's really appreciated. I'm happy to be free. Maxwell says he plans to file a $20 million lawsuit on behalf of Washington. Do, sir, if, with all due respect, you're shooting low there. There, You've got these guys absolutely dead to rights. I would, I'd be asking for put another zero at the end of that one. These occurrences of excessive force happen every day, Maxwell said. Fortunately, this one was caught on film. We'll not stop working until we clear Mika's name and hold all responsible parties accountable. He said, in addition to abuse of force, we have evidence of false criminal charges were created against him. That's what we need to get to. So, okay. So, once again, we're just reiterating what happened here. He's changing a tire. She comes up, demands to see his driver's license, which he does not have to produce at that point. She then tases him, steps on him. Um, orders him up, which he complies with, throws him on the hood of the car, says, oh, where's your, you know, we're going to search your pockets. He says, I have a gun. That's when she tases him again and starts screaming at him. Now, the fentanyl. There's a reason why they threw this fentanyl charge out. Because I guarantee you her body cam footage, if it even exists anymore, because my guess is this department is going to wipe everything clean to try to cover their butts. There was no fentanyl. There was nothing. There was no drugs. She made that up. She made that up. She said that they determined a field test, determined it was fentanyl before she instigated the arrest. But she didn't instigate the arrest because of any kind of drug thing. She's making it sound like he was dealing drugs. He was changing a tire. She's made all of this up. Which, by the way, for everyone in the back row... You think this is the first time she's done this or this police department's done this? I'm going to guess there's at least maybe 25% of the people in their jail who have similar cases where stuff was made up. They accused him of being a felon with a gun. Funny story, he's not a felon. And as a matter of fact, one report said that his name doesn't show up in any felon ranks. So he, that's, that's a false charge. So the fentanyl's a false charge. The the felon with a gun is a false charge. And, and then on top of the obstruction and stopping government business, dude, no, you can't do it that way. You can't start tasing people and then accusing them of not being compliant. Oh, my God. This is just god-awful. Touch on this a again. Also, I want to get into last night's garbage fest from the Republican nominees. We'll talk about that. 952-946-6205. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Broadcasting on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk and AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. By the way, going back to this Alabama story for a quick second, two things here. Dana Elmore, I mean, I'm dead serious. Does anyone think, watch the video of her doing it. This is a person who is so unafraid of consequences of her actions. This is clearly not the first time she has done that. And that's what's going to be portrayed. This is just one good cop who had a bad day. Trust me, I in Minneapolis, St. Paul, I've heard this over and over again. Oh, God, have I heard this over and over again. It is. It's. She was. She's a good. She's a piece of human waste. You. Who does that? Handcuff someone and then starts tasing them. 
You're sick. That's the kind of people that abuse pets. I mean, that's the, you are sick in the head. And there is no doubt when you look at the trumped up, made up charges they are putting on Alexander, or Washington, on Washington uh, there, there, there clearly were just pulled out of thin air. This is not the first time they've done this. And it and it's funny how quickly that attorney ran to the judge to drop that fentanyl charge because that tells me he went to them and said, okay, where's the fentanyl? We don't have it. Where's the test that you conducted, the field test that said it was fentanyl? We don't have that. All right, this is going away. And if you are a legitimate police department at all, at that point, this officer should have been fired immediately. They're clearly lying on arrest records. Nothing, I guarantee you, there's nothing in this woman's report that matches any of her actions. And I guarantee you, this entire system is about to build walls about, well, look at you, tear out a good cop bull. This is, this is not someone who got was a bad day. This is, this is someone, this is abuse of power. And trust me, I've seen this before. Here's the other quick side. Hey, NRA. That's right, the National Rifle Association. You know how you guys get all upset about when someone questions somebody with a gun? You know how you guys do that? Oh, God. Well, when it's white people. You know, here is yet another case where it clearly seems this officer abused this person solely for illegally carrying a gun. Where's your outrage? Where's your post? Where's your protest? Oh, that's right. It's a black person with a gun. And you don't give a rat's caboose about their gun rights. This is only about keeping the the white extremist hornet's nest buzzing as much as possible with your outrage about the Second Amendment. All right, Isaac. I'm just calling you guys out because you're freaking frauds. I'm just, I'm just, someone's got to do it. So guilty as charged. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. That is a thousand pounds of ugly out of Alabama. And I've been to Alabama. That's, yeah. Um, want to start with the, the talking about the quote unquote debate from last night. I want to go into what was the ugliest part of the debate. And I think you all know where I'm going to go with this if you paid attention to it at all. Um, but I want to f- start off with something that is an interesting element of my life in that I grew up in a very interesting time. I'm Gen a- Generation X. I was born in 68. I'm 55 years old. And I saw in the 80s women having to play on boys' sports teams because the argument was because they did well they didn't have girl sports teams i mean i i remember distinctly the first high school i was at i don't think i think they might have had a, a girls basketball team but they didn't have a girls soccer team i don't think they had a girls track team I, i'm pretty sure i'm almost positive they didn't have a girls hockey team at that point I mean, these were these were kind of fringe sports, and my own sister 
played on played soccer on the boys' soccer team. My own sister did because it was the only option she had and she was good enough. And I remember people back then making the argument that we couldn't include women on these teams because you were taking away a spot from a man. That's what they would say. Like I said, the 1980s, you know. I was trying to explain to my daughter who has a professor who's, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit off off base. And I said, well, he's kind of like a feminist from the 1980s who would look at you and say, yeah, I see the system's unfair, but I'm not going to do a damn thing to change it. That's That was kind of feminism back then. That it it, 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 thank goodness we're changing it today. Although once again, you know, slow walking this one, aren't we still? That being said, the, I remember that. I remember people saying you can't have the chicks on the men's teams because there are, there are boys that, that will hurt their feelings if they don't make the team, that sort of thing. It wasn't that long after that. As a matter of fact, while I was in high school back in the 80s, that we and – I, and I went to a fairly wealthy school district in, in the Twin Cities, Edina. Edina! <laughs> wealthy McWealthy pants. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Anyway, um, but, you know, it was, it was a wealthy place. It was a wealthy, wealthy place. And so they already had at that point – a lot of the women's soccer, uh, sports teams, including a soccer team and stuff like that out there. But it was at that point. I mean, it was kind of blossomed out of uh, in a few years. It was no one had them and then pretty much everyone had them because people said it wasn't right that you should, you know, you should discriminate against a person on, you know, their you know gender identity, who they are. Yesterday. Uh, and let me also preface this by saying, uh, reminding people out there, and for the folks in Chicago, that's, I, I've been harping on this ever since they overturned Roe v. Wade. It's clear the the Republicans are terrified of they, – they had for decades an incredibly loyal audience of quote-unquote Christians. And I say quote-unquote Christians because they weren't really Christians. When you get to the point where you're in bed with people who are basically biblical villains because they've convinced you that one thing that they're trying – only one of the things they're trying to do is the most important biblical thing that they're trying to do, you've lost your way, all right? Uh, you know, if, if if your version of the Bible doesn't have the gospel of Matthew in it, uh, then you're kind of missing the point, all right? I'm just saying that. I can say that as a Christian. And no, most Republicans have no idea what the gospel of Matthew is about because it's it's a – Scorcher. You should read it. Direct teachings from Jesus. I know. You know. Religious disclaimer. You do or don't do whatever it is you do or don't want to do. I'm mainly here to point out the hypocrisy of the right. They blindly followed, the far right blindly followed Republicans for, for, for decades on this issue. Sacrificing, feeding the hungry, taking care of the sick, welcoming in strangers from strange lands, sheltering the homeless. You know, um, stuff like that. That all, that all those those direct teachings, those were pushed aside because babies. And mind you, they didn't want to take care of the baby after the baby was born. They didn't want it to give any kind of help to the mother while she was pregnant. They didn't want to help her after the fact. It was just they screamed, "We're pro life!" for one clear second as that baby was born, and then they started screaming, "Moocher class!" That's what they did. 
Well, they overturned Roe v. Wade, and it was quite literally, as I've had a few, even a few Republicans come on the radio and talk about, uh, that, that have said it's the, the dog that caught the car. They all of a sudden did what they said they were going to do. And funny, they woke up a major part of the electorate who was sitting out elections by saying, yep, we're going to take away your rights. And on the other side of it, and in in obscenely ways too. I mean, was it the one guy in Missouri was proposing, you know, locking women into buildings if they become pregnant in Missouri to prevent them from going to a different state to get an abortion? You think about that false imprisonment. Uh, that, that that was someone that they, they, that they make it illegal for you to go to a different state, or you know, demand or people that were suggesting calling up state soldiers to invade another state if someone got an abortion there and they did not give them the details on who did it and hand over the doctor that performed the abortion. It is extremism. They, you know, they've they've tried to get this this group into the fold, but by their own metric, they succeeded. And so this evangelical whitewash, brainwashed element that blindly supported the Republican Party now was, after the overturning of Roe v. Wade, was kind of like, okay, what do we do? And the Republicans desperately tried to find something that they could get on board with and basically vilify and get that same you know, you know, know, fire that they had with the anti-abortion crowd with the same evangelicals. And they went after drag queens, transgender people, and the LGBTQ community. And they have been as ugly as they can because – it's not working. I mean, if there is a good sign, sure, there are bigots and, 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 and hate just everywhere within the Republican Party. But a lot of Republicans are not on board with this. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of Republicans who are, no, no, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to hate these people. I don't want to vilify these people. And they've gone after the LGB, you know, the, the lesbian and gay community and the bisexual community, and it's not worked. <laughs> Funny story, a lot of Republicans seem to be part of those communities. And, you know, you know, by all means, be who you are. Just don't bury it deep inside of you and attack what you are. I mean, that's kind of, you know, disturbing. But and, – and, of course, they've tried to go after drag queens. And we've had a few cases where they've tried. As a matter of fact, we had one up in Minneapolis here where a business was going to have a drag queen story hour. And this one woman was, you're abusing children. Now, I have been to Drag Queen Story Hour. It is a hoot. They are fun. And the kids have a great time. The stories are good fun. It's not what Republicans try to paint it out to be. And funny, when that protest eventually did happen, there was only like 10 bigots, racist jackasses that showed up to protest the Drag Queen Story Hour. And thousand, like a thousand people showed up to support the store. So, yeah, it, it, it's not been working. But where they have tried, they've had the most success is with vilifying transgender people. And they've done so by convincing a lot of their followers that apparently they, they, they are telling people that kids are strapped down to tables at the age of five and six and given sex changes and that's what's happening and that's not even close to what's happening. That's just a made-up reality that they're using because they've got to keep the anti-abortion people in the fold. And so they're using this transgender and they're trying their hardest to run down this road. Megyn Kelly promised Wednesday night that the moderators of the fourth and final GOP primary debate would dig into the issue of gender-affirming care for transgender kids. And Megyn Kelly's a, a, a bigoted jackass too. Her pledge quickly devolved into what many of the Republicans on stage attacking queer Americans and repeating dog whistles about vulnerable youth. 
Kelly asked former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie about a law he signed in 2017 that required the state to adopt regulations around trans kids. But she used the moment to press Christie on his stance on gender-affirming care for minors, an issue that's become a dangerous political cr- uh, you know, crutch during the campaign. Uh, the surgeries done on minors involve cutting off body parts at a time when kids can't even legally smoke a cigarette, Kelly said during a question in the Healthcare for Trans Youth. Kids who go from puberty blockers to cross-sex hormones are at a much greater likelihood of winding up sterile. How is that you think that parents should be okay with these surgeries, never mind the sterilization of a child? By the way, I should mention Kelly's statements are not backed by any medical guidance. She's pulling this out of her ass. Most trans youth do not even begin to medically transition until adolescence, and treatment begins with puberty-blocking drugs, not hormone therapy, not surgery. To start puberty blockers, in most cases, a person must show a lasting pattern of gender nonconformity or gender dysphoria and be able to understand the treatment and consent according to the Mayo Clinic. And they know something about medicine. So she basically made up a, you know, you know, people are eating babies. Why are you for people eating babies? That sort of thing. You know, because, you know, right. Aren't you way, too way out of step on this issue to be a Republican nominee, she concluded, with a smirk on her face. Uh, the AMA also found that trans youth receiving gender-affirming care had dramatic decreases in depression and surgical ideolo- and suicidal, suicidal ideology in the year after they began. Christie who has come out against transgender health care bans, pushed back on Kelly's assertion, saying Republicans believe in less government, not more. He added that he trusted parents to make more decisions about their kids without the government telling them what those values should be. So, shock, Chris Christie actually stood up for there, although, you know, known as one of the biggest bullies ever from the Republican Party. But still, he does draw a line here and to give him credit on that. It didn't go that well with the other three. I'll talk more in a second. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It's the Matt McNeil Show for your Thursday. Good to be with you. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. And by the way, uh, if you would like a calendar where I took all the pictures of it, we do have those. <laughs> They're a thank you gift for people that become members of the, the, the mothership station, AM 950 Radio. Just go to am950radio.com, am950radio.com if you'd like some more information about that. All right. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. So – Megan Kelly, who is just determined to basically be as big of a bigot as she possibly can against transgender people, giddily ad, you know, asked loaded questions that basically had the science come out of her, her backside at this debate last night. And Chris Christie, to his credit, came on out there and basically said, I, you know, and, you know, he, it, it, you know, he did take the easy path, but it is a legit path if you're a Republican. You don't want government in your lives. That's what Republicans are supposed to be for. The reality is the mo- modern Republican loves to have government regulations as long as they're regulating people the way they want you to. They, they want you to. That, you know, and, and the, there have been multiple cases of, of Republicans out there saying, you know, government has a responsibility to, to keep kids safe. And then you say, well, what about guns? Well, not those kids. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they're, they're horrible people. Kelly's comment on Wednesday opened up the floor for the three other candidates to express extreme anti-trans views. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis equated gender-affirming care overseen by a child's parents and the doctor as cutting off their genitals and mutilating minors, which it's not. 
businessman Vivek Ramaswamy, who is just a jackass. Oh, he went a step further declaring transgenderism is a mental health disorder. And former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, stood by her comments that gender-affirming care should be withheld from children until they're 18. She later called the issue surrounding trans students playing on sports teams that are in line with their gender identity the women's issue of our time. Okay. Now, <laughs> once again, this is a woman who has been in government who sees that women are still paid in this day and age, what is it, 18 cents less an hour than men are, and... I think I've I've I found what two cases where a transgender individual won a state championship or a runner-up or competition of something like that. It does not happen too often. The way they want to make sure they portray it is sort of like Rodney Dangerfield in the movie Ladybugs, where you know it's 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 clearly Rodney Dangerfield wearing a dress. And that's not what this is. But you see, is the and this is who they are. Their entire argument is this snarky little, look at them. They're trying to do this. We're righteous and noble. No, you're horrible human beings. Okay, Megyn Kelly, you're a horrible human being. Nikki Haley, you're a horrible human being. If, 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 if uh, Ramaswamy, you know, I thought he would, he probably thinks that's a badge of honor. And and Ron DeSantis in your in your in your you know thigh high white boots you are uh, you I think you've got some questions anyway those are I mean <laughs> last time I saw a person wearing boots like that was that drag queen story hour I'm just saying oh they are fashionable and, and hot all right so this is where they're at. Now, I, I, I will say, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm, it is incredibly disappointing to see how these quote-unquote Christians treat the transgender community and have, have intentionally lied about transitioning, lied about you know, who these people are, lied about the process that they go through, the long exhaustive process that they go through. I have seen, uh, and there's a school district here in Hastings, Minnesota, where the right-wing school board candidates vilified a, this is a school board candidate, so these are the people that want to look after the kids in the school, vilified one transgender child in the schools to basically get themselves elected and, and shame on the community of Hastings. They elected these people, just horrible human beings that would vilify a child for their own personal gain. But that's where we're at because they don't have Roe v. Wade anymore. And so they are insistent, insistent on going down this path of hate and lies and outright lies I'm glad that there are some elements of our society that are very welcoming and the it has been I think a bit of a respite that in Chicago and in Minneapolis St. Paul and in other major metro areas across the country there is a more welcoming mentality towards transgender the transgender community and that's a good thing because it's not just somebody you know 
putting on a dress and, and going out for shot put or anything like that. It's, it's a, some, you know, the, the stories you'll read about the, 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 the internal struggles within the family, the people who themselves will say, you know, I, I didn't think this was a real issue until my own child went through this and I realized, oh, it's very real. And it wasn't anything, it wasn't, they didn't watch a few Spongebob episodes or listen to a Taylor Swift song and all of a sudden become I'm transgender. No, there wasn't some sort of communal group to convince them to do it. Nope, it just is who they were. And the parents who love their kids will go through this process with them to try to help them navigate it. But it doesn't stop these people. And this is, this is, we get sometimes wrapped up in Trump and his, you know, I want to be the dictator of America, you know, which he's saying. He's actually saying it. We get caught wrapped up in this whole Trump element of this. The reality is that this is what they're trying to normalize. Hate, bigotry. I don't think we should have to have another Matthew Shepard for us to step back and realize that it's going too far. I don't think we should have to have you know, you know, people being murdered because they're transgender, just because they're transgender. For, and all of us sitting there saying, okay, whoa, whoa, this is not what we're... For us to finally realize this case. But yet, this is what they're desperately trying to do. Megyn Kelly, all these Republicans, they need to keep the Republican Roe v. Waders in line. And so they're going. And the sad part is, is a lot of them are going along with it. A lot of them are going along with it. It is terrifying. Uh, End of hour one. Thank you much, Chicago. Minneapolis, St. Paul. Hour two up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Thursday. Good to be with you, Matt and Patrick here. Once again, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I did something last night, Patrick, that I have not done that much in the last 20 years. Do tell. I watched an NBA game. Oh, <laughs> they watched the Wolves take on the Spurs. Okay, can I ask you this? Has there ever been, okay, Rudy Gobert was garbage last year. I mean, he just was, I mean, he was locker room poison. What happened? I mean, he, you know, he looked sharp. God, he had just some amazing looks, lots of rebounds. He looked fantastic out there. I think it's just, uh, you know, they've had a year now to get acclimated to the system. Uh, Towns missed a vast chunk of last year with yeah. an injury. Um, I think they've just had, you know, I think it's just been a few things. They've been healthy. They've had a year to learn the system. And Edwards has taken another step forward. I think Ant is, Ant's amazing. He absolutely yeah. is. So yeah. I think it's just kind of a... A perfect storm of good things to happen for once. If they stay healthy, I don't see I don't see how many teams can beat them, especially you get into a seven game series. I just don't see how the teams are gonna beat them. I mean they are they you have three legitimate superstars on that team. When with Gobert playing has Gobert is playing. How about I gotta also just I know we're not a sports station, but I wanna mention this. Go for basketball. I didn't even turn the game on. You were down by what, fifteen at a half? And you won by like ten. That is like putting on the gas pedal. Uh, I, I, there might be some life in the barn after all. I'm hoping that's the case. I like I like I like college basketball quite a bit, and so I would love to have 
watchable college basketball again. It wasn't good for a while. Well, we're talking about gopher basketball. Did you hear that the Iowa women's game at the U had sold out about three months in advance? Well, that's because of that Minnesota kid's there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know I know this by, by um, who's the, the gosh, and Paige uh, Beckers. I was at Hopkins. My son and Paige Beckers graduated at the same year at Hopkins. And you would go to, you know, their, their boys team at Hopkins High School was good was good. And they'd have maybe two thirds of the gym full. Paige Beckers is playing and they had the the place was packed to the gills. It was packed to the gills. And it it, it just is one of those things. It does not surprise me and my guess is it's going to be mostly Iowa fans cheering, so you know, be loud and proud uh Minnesota if you're you're there. It's going to be a good game. You know, that that, that Minnesota women's team they beat they won at Can- uh, Kentucky yesterday. So that was pretty solid. Oh, it'll be interesting. I think there isn't uh, – yeah, speaking of I mean, Hopkins, isn't there a Hopkins – one of the Hopkins players is on uh, the uh, on the Gophers. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Anyway. But, hey, I'll take it as the dark day of sports this town has been. Okay, uh, I'll take it. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. The GoFundMe, we had the the, 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 the the Give to the Max Day came on up there. We got uh, a lot of people in this town like to give money here. Fundraising website GoFundMe this week named Minneapolis one of its most generous cities in America in 2023. The list of the most generous cities included the company's 2023 Year in Help Report ranks Minneapolis at number seven. But I'll say this. When you look at big cities... It's it's pretty much the second big city on the list, which is pretty good. The most generous city list is based on the number of donations per capita for cities with populations over 50,000, according to GoFundMe. Now, I'm going to presume this is donations to GoFundMe fundraisers. This is not just overall fundraisers. It's just to GoFundMe fundraisers. The number one is Spring, Texas. Isn't that a suburb of Dallas? I think that is. Marietta, Georgia. Silver Spring, Maryland. Miami, Florida is at number four. That kind of surprises me. Sarasota, Florida. Alpharetta, Georgia. Minneapolis. Olympia, Washington. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I think it's a, I, I think it's a, a good sign. I, I think that's a good thing. I will say it is interesting. I, I've, there have been some re- stories I've, I've heard about that how GoFundMes and these things uh, it's different than uh, you know. Give to the max. Give to the max is, of course, obviously, you you can go find the institution. And I'll just I'll pull one. The Hennepin History Museum. Say, the Hennepin History Museum lists themselves on the Give to the Max Day. Boom, you give it there. They you know they might do a GoFundMe page, but a lot of there. I mean, as a radio host in America today, I get I get inundated with people saying, "Could you help me promote this GoFundMe page?" And I, I, you know, I, it's kind of one of those things I, I hope the best. I occasionally do give my money myself, but it is kind of – it's this modern-day way. And how many of them are medical debt, medical-related? My, 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 my child has cancer. My, my – I was in a car accident and I need this, these things done. I took a fall on the ice. I need help. I mean these these pleas in 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 the void that are, are are people begging for help in this kind of case. It it really is interesting how it's changed, 
And I think it is a sign of how decent the people of Minneapolis-St. Paul are that Minneapolis shows up here on the list fairly high up. But it is it – is, I think we could solve a lot of these problems if we just had health, you know, a single-payer health care in this country, and that's just the end of that. I think that would take care of a lot of it. I mean, how many GoFundMe campaigns would immediately – not have to exist if we had single-payer health care in this country. Uh, I mean, I got to imagine most of them. But, hey, heaven forbid, we've got to make sure medical corporation executives get as much money as possible. So, yeah, great. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Uh, I brought this up earlier, and it's interesting that, I, that some of the feedback I've gotten on this. I don't know if uh, you saw this, Patrick. The Minnesota's first women's sports bar has been a, found a home, a bar of their own, which is, uh, you know, is, is, is going to exclusively show and promote women's sports. will open in the old Tracy Saloon in Minneapolis' Seward neighborhood next spring. Uh, it's, it's in the, is it the, the 1400 block. No, it's a 2400 block or something like that of East Franklin. You know where that's at? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, it will open in an old Tracy Saloon in Minneapolis. Um, owner Jillian Hiscock launched a crowdfunding campaign in October and raised over $140,000 in two months. Through interest in women's sports is booming, places to watch their game are few and far between as men's teams dominate the bar televisions, Hiscock told uh, uh, the news. You know, one of the things I, I find to be upsetting is is that exactly. I will go and I'll know... Like Gopher Women's Hockey is on, I think might be the Big Ten Network, or Gopher Women's Basketball, or the volleyball. I love watching volleyball, man. The you know when the Gopher Women are good, <laughs> they didn't make it to the Sweet Sixteen this year. That's not good. Anyway, um, but I mean when they're on, I mean there's nothing more infuriating than going into a bar and it's like you know we're we're airing the the Jets and Browns game. No one cares. Put on the Gophers. Um, asking to change the channels almost always met with frustration. It is annoyance. It is confusion. It is. And that just gets really old. Hiscox said in an interview, the family friendly space showed off all women's sports all the time from the Minnesota links to go for softball and smaller roller derby and Frisbee teams. Hiscox, I don't, I know someone who's on a roller derby team and I'm going to have her come on in here and, 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 well, she can't because I got a broken back with rods and screws. So, you know, worn. but maybe I'll have her lightly tap me. <laughs> uh, she's 100% badass, man. I got to have her come on in here someday. Hiscock opens to open the door early March, just in time for the Big 12, 10 Women's Basketball Tournament, which will be played at Target Center. Um, all right. I, I, I don't want to call this a gimmick because I don't think this is a gimmick. I think this is a natural evolution. I think this is a great idea. As a matter of fact, I think we have definitely enough places. Why isn't there one of these down by the Vikings complex? I mean, that would be kind of a no-brainer, wouldn't it? One in St. Paul. I mean, this is – I don't think that this is a a reach by any idea. So I don't want to call it a gimmick because it's not. I think it's a natural evolution and a smart business model. It's a smart business model. I think this is a good idea. It comes down to two things. And I know that this is this is this, you got to pay attention to this stuff. Number one, the quality of food and drinks you have. Okay. Now, Q 
kitsch sometimes gets you there. I remember the old gold nugget, which used to be out on Excelsior Boulevard over by Williston and Eden Prairie Road. And this was back, it was a place that was founded back when it was a biker hangout on the weekends. And of course, nothing says biker than Minnetonka now. Uh, it, it kind of is, it kind of, the city grew up around it. And when I first moved back to Minneapolis, we would go on out there to the old place. I mean, the hole in the wall, Gold Nugget. And it was burgers and you know, PBR, Pat Blue Ribbon on tap and chips. And you did not really have a choice or selection. Yeah, the, the, the bar was one tap. That's what you got. And there wasn't even there wasn't even a light version. It's just, here's what you want a beer? Here's a beer. They had a grill on it that you could cook a shoe on and it would probably taste delicious. It's one of those jobs that's been around forever. Fantastic place. So you can get away with having a quirky menu like that or a kind of an established existence. But that's that's you can't do that now. And especially and I'm guilty as charged too. I'll take I take pictures of my food and post it. I I mean if it's good, it's good. If it's not good, I generally don't go back. And that's going to be your key. I think you need to have good drinks, which, you know, I think this town's got enough uh, good quality, you know, micro brews and beers. And, of course, you know, some of the big, big, uh, big brands, you can have those in there as well. I, I think the drinks and the drink options, you know, you, you want to make quality. That's good. You're not, you're not looking you're, you're, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, you're not looking for a, a, a dive mentality you're probably in a place like this not looking for high-end cocktails. <laughs> you know, I'm not looking for that. But you want to have something good. But it comes down to the food, too. You want to have good food. And, you know, you, you have to have a few items on your menu which are like, oh, my gosh, did you try this this time? Yeah, I didn't. I, I tried this. It was fantastic. It was good. That is always the key. And I think that it's where you got a great business idea – I don't want to see it get Planet Hollywooded, where you know you have an idea for a celebrity place, and all of a sudden no one goes there because the food there was atrocious. It made chilies look like you were going to you know Anthony Bourdain's. You know it was it was bad, and so you got to be careful there. So good food and good drinks, you know that's one of them. Quality there. The other side of it is price. You can't. Another thing that people will not go, especially in this day and age, you know, you're, you know, if if you're charging extra just because it's it's a beer here, so it costs two dollars more than a beer over there. Well, people aren't going to sit over there. They're here. They're going to go over there. So you you got to watch your price, your margins there too. Hey, I'm not here to uh, I, I'm not here to uh, to run your business for you, but I'm just going to say. I've been around doing, you know, been around this industry and, and, and going to restaurants. I've got friends who've run restaurants. I've got friends who've run bars. Uh, I've seen them run successfully. I've seen them run unsuccessfully. I think this is a heck of an idea, and I want to see it succeed. At the end of the day, I want to see this succeed because, I, as I said, it's not a gimmick. It's the natural evolution of things. And, I mean, at one point, gosh, like in the 70s, you know, someone said, you know, you know, you know, you know Let's put a let's put a TV in a bar and and we'll put a sports games on. It's like no one wants to go to a bar to watch the football game, and look where we're at now. So yeah, I, I think it's a good concept. I think it can make a lot of money, 
But I also want you to be very careful. I don't want to see you guys get derailed because of of that sort of thing. So get a good menu, get some good drinks, have a good price. You guys are going to be, you know, you'll be franchising that place out before too long. You won't you won't need other people to open up bars. You'll have your own, you know, locations in all these different areas. I hope it works for you because uh, I think it is a great concept. I really do. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Let's take a break and come talk about the saddest human being I have seen in a long time. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Apparently, the, the player in Iowa is Caitlin Clark. Now, I, I, I wasn't referencing, when I said Paige Beckers, I was re- re- referencing when my kid and her were seniors at Hopkins High School and how that would bring in a crowd to see her. That's why we're referring to the crowd that's going to be at the barn for the Iowa-Minnesota game, which is not Paige Beckers, that's UConn. And by the way, is that the only loss the Gophers have this year is the, the, the game they played against UConn, right? I think so. They just went down to Kentucky, yeah. and that you know the Kentucky women's team isn't as good as the men's, but the woman, uh, the U woman, put on a show against them. Yeah. Uh, it, hey, well, you know what? We need a place we can go watch those games. Nice. There we go. I, I'd love it. I love. It. I mean, I I really got when I was at yeah, down in Ames, Iowa. I was part of the flagship radio network for the Cyclone Radio Network. And one of the things that was happening, because, you know, there wasn't the biggest staff at the station at that point. And so I was called into duty and I'd go out and I would go to the Iowa State women's games. And I was the guy that went out during the, which would be in, in you know, in the, the, the third quarter of the women's game. I'd go on out there and we'd do the half court shot to try to win a car, a hundred bucks or whatever it was. I, it's, it's, it was, it depended on the prize. And I would do that. I was I would go to do that. I would go to the hockey games. I'd go do it there, stuff like that. It was it was fun. I would go do that stuff. And I was able to sit on the sidelines in press row to watch Iowa State women's basketball. And God, did I fall in love with basketball again? I was like, okay, it wasn't the eight step run in the paint <laughs> to go to the nets. It, it was fundamental setup basketball that was just when it's done great. Gosh. It's just fun to watch. And I got to see some really good teams. That's Bill Fenley was the coach down there. And I got to see some really good teams. I really enjoy it. So, yeah, go team, go. Uh, so, and thanks for the clarification. Like I said, Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark is, the, is the Iowa player. 952-946-6205. Um, I can't believe someone would say this about the state that they serve in government as a part of. I, 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 (laughs) this could be the saddest individual I have, I have seen in a while. And this state is full of just sad Republican politicians. I mean, Lucero, Draskowski, Grunhag, and Walter, you know, ZZ Flop, you know, I, I, I could run the gamut here. Dom's out there insisting the the uh, um, the basically the, the tax dollars all go to the metro area when they basically are sucking on our tax dollar teat out of the Twin Cities. Um, yeah, just you know the, the the people that are fighting in schools. It, it is amazing where the Republican Party is today because through this extremism that they've embraced, they've got a brand new mentality. Is that I'm only in it for myself. 
And it's funny to watch. I mean, it, it's well, it's funny, but it's also tragic. Like there'll be a, a tornado will hit a, a district in the state. And the first thing these people, if it's not their district, will say is, you're wasting my taxpayer dollars. I don't want to help those people. But then all of a sudden, a tornado hits their district and they're, why isn't everybody helping me? You know, that sort of thing. I mean, it's it's selfishness. It is the worst of humanity. And the Republicans can't seem to get away from it. That doesn't even come close, though, to what Representative Mary Franson said on Twitter. Now, as we talk about the flags that are up for debate, as a matter of fact, uh, I think we're going to have uh, Anita Gall is going to join us in studio next Tuesday. Um, I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday. It might be Wednesday. It might be Wednesday. She's going to join us in studio to talk about the flag decision. That's going to be made next week. It's you, 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 There's always going to be people who are contrarian and we've talked about that it it was how predictable is it these five flags are the worst hour in the competition why aren't you doing the one i want that sort of thing i we we talked about that it's kind of sad and pathetic of the flags it's it's looking like there's one with the waves on it that a lot of people like but the one that really looks like it might be the one that we eventually go with here or a variation of it because One of the things we learned when they announced the new seal or the top choice in the seal was that they could make some minor adjustments to it to get it to where they wanted to get it to. But the one on the flag that seems to be the front runner right now, and I would agree with it of the five that were remaining, I thought it was the one I liked the best. It's the one that has the yellow star with what looks like a snowflake pattern on it in in the center of the flag, and I believe it's blue behind it. I think it's nice. I, I, I think it's simple, sweet. It does, it's not too complicated. I think it's nice. I think it'd make, it'd make a nice flag. Republicans are already – the same Republicans, by the way, who uh, you know never really got too upset when they saw the Confederate flag flying in the state of Minnesota. Uh, you know, the, 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 you know and, and by the way, read up on the Minnesota first, you traitors, jerks, uh, before you tell me about how proud you are as Minnesotans if you tolerate the Confederate flag. Um, they're already like, this is woke out of control. No, it's it was an 1858. <laughs> Are you still wearing clothes from 1858? I don't think you're still wearing the clothes of 1858. I don't think you're getting around in the same means of transportation as you were in 1858. I don't think it, you know. God forbid, yeah, a Republican get on a train. Uh, <laughs> I I don't think you're eating like it's 1858, where for about a third of the year, every meal was like an onion. You know, I don't think you're doing that. I think you're I think we've advanced and changed. And clearly the flag has some issues. It was it was part of a time when those flags all kind of looked the same and there was a seal on it and this you know, frankly, the image that's on the, the thing is is somewhat racist. It needs to be replaced. But of course the same people who get furious when you refer to Fort Snelling as Bedote starts you know, I'll dare you. Kind of like, I, you know, it's got to be the white conqueror's way <laughs> sort of thing. And all those people are just loon balls. But Mary Franson really, I, I, I am almost speechless. I'm a professional radio host. I always have something to say. I'm somewhat speechless, though, about this tweet she sent out yesterday. 
just make it a snowflake and be done. This state is made up of very, very weak people. The snowflake would symbolize that weakness. Now, yeah, yeah. And when the DFL called um, called her out on this, she called them Hamas. Yeah, she's she's really. I think she's. I think we all can agree she's well balanced. Yes. I hope she doesn't plan on eating food from restaurants anytime soon because uh, it's going to come with a special sauce, if you know what I mean. Uh, the state is made up of very, very, we, we, very, very, very weak people. Three varies. This, this is a sitting representative, someone who has chosen to represent this state in the House. Someone who is choosing to live here has decided to live in Minnesota, and yet she seems to loathe this state and hate the people of this state with the fire of a million suns. You don't say something like this unless you really hate it here, and that's sad. This state is made up of very, very, very weak people. The snowflake would symbolize that weakness. I mean, is that what you is? Do you go out yell at snowbanks? It's too much weakness. <laughs> is that what you do? <sighs> I I don't know what to say about this. It's sad. This is sad. It's it's sad because it gives us a look into who this person is, and on one part of me is saying, okay, she's just throwing this out there to try to appeal to to that 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 reaffirming circle of twitter trolls that surrounds almost all these republican politicians who whenever they say something like this goes you're great you know they they it's it's a very self-fulfilling sort of thing vicious circle but the reality is is she doesn't say she calls all the state the state is made up of very 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 weak people you know princess what are you doing here seriously why are you here? Uh, by the way, I, I think you just torpedoed any lobbying gig you're going to get later on in life. Because uh, I mean, if you were a lobbyist and I, you came to my door to try to lobby for any group, uh, the first thing is like, can you explain to me the very, very, very weak people that make this state up? I mean, uh, that's what you, you don't believe this. And I'm sure you're going to sit there and say, oh, that was politics and I was just making a joke. No, you weren't. Why are you here? Seriously, Mary, from this post, I get the sincere impression you are just miserable here. You have one sad, pathetic life right now, but you only have one. You got one life to live. If you're in a job you don't like, if you're in a place you don't like, if you don't like this, for God's sakes, for your own sanity, move. Find your happy place. Find where you want to be. Don't just sit here and self-loathe and self-hate being here. You'll be happier. And we will be too because you're not going to be here. And maybe that's what it is, is you're not wanting to go pursue your happiness in a place where you would be happier because you just don't want the idea of us feeling like we won because you left. Dude, I could care less if you're left. 
I could care less. The reality is, this is a cry for freaking help. I'm sorry your life is this sad and depressing. At least that's what it sounds like. When you, Happy people do not make posts like this. Content people do not make posts like this. You're broken. And you're sad. You're so sad. And like I said, I don't think I'd I, – I wouldn't be using your, your actual name to order food from restaurants or anything for the time being because I think the very, very, very weak people, as you describe them, might not take too kindly to your, to your words. Just a tip. 952-946-6205. God, that's sad. God, that's just depressing. Ugh. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. Um, the union representing Minnesota police officers across the state has leveled... Public criticism at Hennepin County Attorney Mary Moriarty's office saying prosecutors undercharged a driver after he dragged and injured a Maple Grove police officer during a traffic stop. One month since the stop that ended with felony fleeing police and obstruction charges against the driver, the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association spoke out in objection of prosecutors' refusal to charge the driver with assault on a police officer, which carries a mandatory prison sentence. But the county attorney's office countered the evidence shows he intended to flee, not assault the officer. This charging decision represents an alarming trend from the Hennepin County Attorney's Office where violent offenders are not charged or undercharged with crimes, said the MPPAO General Counsel in a statement. Minnesota law has long recognized vehicles being treated as weapons in these types of situations. It's alarming how police officers are treated differently than citizens in the eyes of the HCAO. Wow. Uh, we'll come back to that whole paragraph. Um. The Hennepin County Attorney's Office spokesman Nick Kimball said the evidence does not warrant filing such charges. As any prosecutor or defense attorney understands, we need evidence to support charges and prove case beyond a reasonable doubt. Unfortunately, we are unable to rely on false characterizations of the facts by individuals from interest groups who don't have access to all the evidence of the case, Kimball said in a statement. The evidence here is the defendant fled from officers in a motor vehicle and caused injuries while interfering with the officer's duties. And the officer charged with him with the most serious charges were ethically able to, to charge based on the evidence. Maple Grove Police this week released dash cam video of the November 13th traffic stop after the MPP. PAO, Minnesota's largest law enforcement association, issued a statement disapproving the lack of assault charges against the repeat offender, uh, Daniel Edward Rudolph, 40 of St. Louis Park, for the injuries caused to Officer Daniel Gross. Now, I'm going to probably surprise a few people. I kind of agree from what I've seen. I kind of agree. I think there probably should be harsher charges here. And I think, and 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 <laughs> I just for all the people in the, in the leadership of police who just spit coffee out on the their things. No, I I I can see the argument there. It's the case being oh, before you celebrate me too quickly here. Let me let me go through a few things here first. Uh, you know, I I have been very vocal about the fact that. I disagree with some of the, you know, 
you know, home detainment and DoorDash, Netflix and DoorDash punishments that are being handed out here lately, especially when we're dealing with such cases such as murder. I think that that is a little bit light heart, light than it needs to be. Their feel the feeling I have, and I and I and I'm not going to deny that I do have part of this is personal. After you know the car accident, after a drunk driver hit me, and I was told by Hennepin County that, well, this you know, you know the the punishment here is you know not jail time. I mean, and and once again, if not for the freaking structural integrity of a Toyota Sienna. I would be dead, and it shouldn't be just so – well, yeah, he'd be going to some jail if you would have died. But you know, since you just only had a broken back, well, we, you know, we're going to wag our finger at him. Now, it does sound like this individual is trying to clean up his life. <sighs> Enough on that for the time being. So I do have a little bit of a, a feeling like that the Hennepin County Attorney's Office is definitely – Going the route of can we can we not charge someone with something? Is is there a justification? Is there an argument we can make to not charge something someone with something? And I have said before, undeniably, undeniably, the prosecutorial arm of the justice system in Hennepin County is is just as corrupt and as broken under Freeman than it was it, than the police department was, and it was it it definitely needed some immediate revisions and immediate fixing. But the polar doing the polar opposite of that as opposed to a heavy-handed approach, a way too light-handed approach is probably not the best way to convey to people that you're taking it seriously. I I just don't think it's the case. So no, I mean I I would say from from this case I would make an argument I would. There probably should have been more, a little more serious charges. Now that being said, let's get back to the Minneapolis Police and Peace Officers Association and their comments here. This charging decision represents an alarming trend from the HCAO, where violent offenders are not charged or undercharged with crimes. Now, I understand you guys due to conservatives and Republicans have marched us towards this police state mentality that you want to have a, that there, there are some people that want to have a judge dread type of world where a police officer is judge, jury and executioner instantaneous, no consequences. If they end up shooting someone, they didn't mean to shoot up. That's an oopsie. And you can't, how can you hold that officer accountable? It was one mistake. That led to a dead body. I mean, we, and we talked about this in the first hour with this Alabama case, which is clearly horrible. There is this circle the wagon sort of mentality that you basically have to defend the, 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 the this, this movement towards a police state. But the reality is, is we do still yet do not involve a police state. And the Henneman County Attorney's Office is a political office. It's an elected official. And... Although I'm not sure exactly if Mary Moriarty is going to win a second term, she currently is the current elected Hennepin County attorney. So you may not like her, but she is definitely going to still be the Hennepin County attorney. So you insisting that she should just forfeit her rights to make the choice in the charging and basically do what the police tell her to do 
Well, isn't that how we got freaking Jaleel Stallings? When the police, I mean, if we take Freeman's excuses in that, which I still don't think we should, he said the police came to me and said he was this, he was out of control. He was shooting at cops. He was doing all these things. The police were innocent victims. Remember that? You remember when you guys, you remember when George Floyd died and you guys sat there and said he was as, you know, violent. There was a conflict and, you know, this was good police work. Remember that? I remember all that. So, no, I think that we have been learned our lesson that we cannot trust the police, per se, to be the decision maker on what charges are filed. That is the job of a prosecutor. And whereas I even I disagree with this with this decision, that's her choice. And I understand you guys want to barrel on through and keep doing that. Uh, no. Uh, you guys have I'm sorry, I've gotten enough with the Minneapolis Police Department that I you know and the and the people that were up to vending Potter up in uh in Brooklyn Center. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Which, which brings up the other, the other quote here. Um, it's alarming how police officers are treated differently than citizens in the eyes of the HCAO. Oh, really? Oh, really? We just had State Patrol shoot a man on the highway. Not... And we've had this has been you know nationwide as well you know as locally there have been cases where people have been shot, not because it was good quality police work, but because a police officer panicked, or a police officer just didn't want to have to run after someone, or you know didn't want to be inconvenienced. I like I said I I I don't I don't know how you felt about it, but. Watching a police officer who just put a round into someone's stomach saying, keep, you, keep living, buddy. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Come on. That's just, it's, what are you doing? You see all that blood? That's courtesy of you. The police in this city, in this state, have always operated with the benefit of the doubt. Always. And it, and it only takes obscene cases like Jaleel Stallings, where there's all the body cam footage that shows he didn't do a damn thing wrong, or George Floyd, where a, a bystander films the entire thing and we watch as a police officer murders a man in the streets of the city. Your police officers are almost always given the benefit of the doubt. And even when you have body cam footage like Potter, where you can clearly see she screwed up and she shot him, and not with a, with a taser, but with a gun. Your entire defense is, well, it was an oopsie. It was an oopsie. Case closed. How dare you hold her accountable? She feels really, 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 really bad. You have always had this double standard in place where your actions are always filtered through the rosiest of prisms. 
to validate your behavior. Hell, you even have laws written in this state, which basically allow you the, the way, and I have said this before, and I'll say it again, the ways the laws of this state are written, a drunk off-duty police officer could be in a bar, look at a guy and say, I hope I'm going to shoot you. Get in his car drunk, drive home, go get his gun, drive drunk back to the bar, get in the bar and shoot the guy. And as long as he just says, I was scared before uh, 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 that is his official stance, there's a legit chance he will not face any prison time. That's insanity. That is insanity. So before you start throwing around how horrible police officers are treated, dude, you guys have not been held accountable at all. How many of the officers with Jaleel Stallings were held accountable? How many? How many? And held accountable doesn't mean the police department allows them to retire and run out of state and file a disability claim and then basically, you know, you know, say, well, they're no longer with the force. So we're not going to prosecute them. <laughs> Disturbing. Disturbing to say the least. So I get in this case, I kind of agree with you. I think the charges should have been a little more serious. But one, you do not dictate how things are charged. That might have been under the wind or Freeman, but just now you're having a Hennepin County attorney, and my guess is going to be, and, and this is going to be the bellwether for every Hennepin County attorney from this point forward. Are you basically just going to do what the police tell you to do? And that question will come on out. And I'm sure they'll say, no, I'll be an independent voice, but people are paying attention now. And that's what's going on. They're not doing, Moriarty's not doing exactly what you told her, which seems to be what the policy was under Freeman. For the life of me, I can't figure out any other way he would keep charging Jaleel Stallings. I can't, for the life of me, I can't figure out why the prosecutor with all that body cam footage seeing, showing that Stallings hadn't done a damn thing wrong would be keep prosecuting outside of the police kept saying, it's a, it's a good case, take it to court, take it to court. And then, of course, fighting, well, we, you know, we don't want to show the body cam footage. We don't want to have to show the body cam footage. And then all of a sudden they have to show the body cam footage. No, we want people's you know, emotions to be kept in check here, you know. So tired of your crap. We all are. We're all tired of your crap. So before you start saying, we're the victim, the last I checked, you guys put bullets into people and there's no accountability. Whether that's a no-knock raid, whether that's a person with his hands on the steering wheel and he says, I have a gun, whether that's a, whether that's a, 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 a person who is at a gas station, or George Floyd. Now, George Floyd, I guess there were some consequences just because it was so egregious and so obscene that even the prosecution could not basically just take your word that it was it, – what was what did uh, Kroll – how did he – like, this was good quality police work. Was that, is that what he said? I can't remember exactly. Needless to say, stop acting like you guys don't get the benefit of the doubt almost all the time. Almost all the time. And I don't have any patience for someone who the one time the system doesn't go with screaming like, this is always the case. Is it? 
Is it? I guess I can show you some footage of a, a state patrol officer putting a bullet into a guy and killing him out in the highway. And there ain't going to be any consequences there. Or a no-knock warrant. A mirror lock. There aren't any consequences there. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. How about a good story to end the day with? We had earlier just sadness in the form of a state representative, and we just had the police who basically, like I said, it's not very appealing. You guys, you guys should not be out there talking about double standards. I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to say it. But I got a good one to end the, the, the show on today. An estimated 43,000 people in St. Paul. 43,000 people. 43,000 people in St. Paul won't be weighed down by medical debt after the council passed its city budget Wednesday morning. We've had constituents reach out to me and say that they were excited about the idea of no longer having the burden of medical debt, said Mitra Jalili, uh, the St. Paul Ward 4 council member. The city is teaming up with a national organization called RIP medical debt. There is income criterion for residents, but for every dollar invested, $100 in medical debt is relieved. At least four large health care systems have supported the initiative, including M Health Fairview, Health Partners, Alina, and Children's. Mayor Melvin Carter first proposed the medical debt reset initiative during his August budget address. The city will use a one-time $1.1 million investment in the American Rescue Fund's plans, which will provide an estimated $110 million in medical debt relief. This program is not about wiping away debts. It's about giving people the chance to breathe, to rebuild, to reclaim their lives without their weight of medical bills crushing their aspirations, said Mayor Carter. Mayor Carter is pretty dang good, man. (laughs) Melvin Carter, I'm a fan. How about I say it like that? However, during Wednesday's council meeting, multiple members questioned whether the initiative is the best use of federal funds when some city leaders haven't heard medical debt as a concern from constituents. Uh, they want potholes fixed. They want the lights on. They want taxes not to go up so much. This is not just so. This is just so random," said Jane Prince, council member from Ward Seven. Uh, Nelsie Yang of Ward Six, council member, introduced an amendment that would have eliminated the appropriation of RIP medical debt from Wednesday's budget vote. Tabling the proposal until next year, she mentioned other initiatives she thought the council should prioritize instead, such as pandemic pay for city workers or helping Catholic charities with its budget shortfalls. I know we have a lot of residents who right now are facing medical debt, but the truth is they don't have to live in fear, especially with corporations that could easily just choose to cancel the debt in the first place, which they're not going to do, council. Council member, I, I don't know if you understand this. They don't. I mean, if you're if your whole game plan is let's push this back because these large medical companies might just say, okay, we don't need the money. Uh, that's not a good plan. I get it. You may not like it, but the reality is: is may I make a suggestion? Yeah. Points about maybe potholes or tax relief or something like this. Okay, fine. But don't get in the way of this, man. This is not one of those you want to get in the way of. This is a good idea. And in this day, at this time of year, Hanukkah starting today, Christmas coming down the road, this is a good deal, man. 
this is a really good heart in the right place kind of thing. And so I salute the city of St. Paul. And I think the only other question I have is, when have you guys ever fixed a pothole in St. Paul? (laughs) I've gotten so used to them. It kind of rocks me to sleep as I drive through St. Paul. It's, It's delightful. No. Nice job, guys. Now, you know, see if you can find some money to fix the potholes. But this is the heart's in the right place here. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We're back tomorrow. Until then, see ya.